0: I wouldn't call myself a Shaka supporter, but I probably they're probably my favorite team in the Bundesliga right now. So close enough.
1: That song we all know and love, and Vice. I'm Long. Hello, Mina Leute. V Gates willkommen zu das einzige Schalke Podcast. Alf English. That's right, folks. Officially, the world's only English language Schalke podcast, or at least the last time any of us over here checked. Uh, dedicated listeners of the podcast will, of course, realize by now that this is not the voice of your host Richard Carmen, but that of Jack Mangan. There is a good reason for that, which we will get to in just one second. But first. Let me thank you for tuning in. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world. Many of you out there speak English, and this pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues from that English-speaking perspective. Now, as I said, it is I, Jack Mangan, taking on the hosting duties for today's episode, and that is because just a few days ago, Richard's lovely wife, Elizabeth, gave birth to their first Child. So congratulations to all of them. Both the, uh, the baby and the mom are doing well from what I understand, uh, weighing in at seven pounds, two ounces, and he will be going by the name of Joshua. I was pushing for Franco de Santo Carmen myself, <laughs> but those efforts, uh, in vain, it seems. But anyway, please send your congratulations to Richard on Twitter at, R underscore K H A R M A N. Um, the good news, of course, is that another Schalke supporter has joined our ranks. The bad news is that, at least for today and possibly for a couple weeks here in the near future, Richard is going to be, quite understandably, uh, having his hands full with more important duties than hosting uh, this podcast. But do not worry. uh, You will not be stuck alone with me for the entire episode. And that is because we have a very special guest that some of you in particular, maybe some of our American listeners may be familiar with and that is mr adam bells of the scuffed podcast joining us today from minneapolis minnesota adam how you doing man
0: i'm doing great thanks for having me and mazel tov to richard and his wife absolutely it's, uh,
1: it's an absolute pleasure to to have you with us why don't you uh, for our listeners some of you who, who may not know who you are uh just go ahead and kind of give them a brief background of uh, who you are what you do and uh why you're here with us today
0: uh, I have a podcast called the Scuff Podcast uh, where we talk about the U.S. men's national team and the player pool that can one day make it better. That involves watching a lot of Schalke games in the last year or so. So I wouldn't call myself a Schalke supporter, but I probably, they're probably my favorite team in the Bundesliga right now. So close enough.
1: Yeah, we absolutely love to hear that, of course. And uh, as as you said, following the, the U.S. men's national team player pool, you're going to spend a lot of time watching European soccer, particularly, um, a lot of Bundesliga games. And obviously with Weston McKenney, uh, making his breakthrough over the past couple seasons, uh, you've, you've watched pretty much all of his minutes, I'm, I'm sure.
0: So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So great. So he's definitely somebody who's, uh, if not super knowledgeable about Schalke, just very knowledgeable about football in general, more so than I am, for sure. So we're
0: uh, we're very pleased that you're able to mm, join us. I don't know about that, but I, <laughs> I do watch a lot of Schalke, so I'm, I'm ready to talk about the game yesterday, for sure.
1: Awesome. So uh, coming up here on the Pod Rundown, we're going to talk uh, just a little bit of transfer news, rounding out a couple of the things that happened since our last episode a couple weeks ago. Then I'm just going to briefly touch on the DFB-Pocal match against Schweinfurt, and then we will uh, get into the match day one recap against Wolfsburg. We will be right back.
0: All
1: right, so a couple bit of uh, transfer business that have come to fruition since we last joined all of you on the internet here um Tilo Carrer is obviously the big one 37 million to PSG um, quite a hefty sum for us we don't often uh, get that kind of money for the for the players that we ship out and, and uh, obviously he was a uh, a very important figure for us. This is something that we had discussed um, last season on the podcast, in fact, was um, you know with the ongoing uh, contract issues with Max Meyer, Leon Goretzka. Um, Tilo Kerr was another one who, uh, coming into this season, was on the last year of his contract and had not yet renewed it. And uh, for those of you following the Max Meyer saga, his agent was also Roger Vittman, the same agent as Max Meyer. So I know a lot of us were concerned about how those contract negotiations were gonna go. Um personally, I'm not happy to see Tilo Carrer depart, but that's a whole lot of money. And uh, you know, if it was one of those things where the contract was up in the air, I'd rather sell him while we could and not let him walk for free, as has been the case far too many times recently. Adam, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I mean that that's the big problem lately, right? Uh, letting people walk for free. And even though he is a valuable player, as we saw yesterday, even um, in his absence, got to be happy that you got something for him.
1: Definitely, definitely. So uh, thank you to him for his uh, short, albeit meaningful service to the club. We'll obviously be watching his career at PSG with great interest, but um, it looks like we're putting... That transfer fee to good use is we've brought in Hamza Mendel from Lille, a 20-year-old left back, for about $6 million, um, adding to our depth at that position, which is obviously something that's important to do. Bastian Ochipka's had some lingering—I um I think it's a groin issue, potentially, that's been keeping him out of training and some of the matches for a while. And uh the man who's starting right now, Baba Rahman, of course, is really making his first meaningful starts in well over a year as he was recovering last year from a pretty gruesome, I believe, ACL injury that kept him out for a long time. So uh, definitely not a bad idea to have more depth at that position. Um, the big news besides Tilo Kerr is there's been some ongoing rumors about uh, Sebastian Rudy, former Hoffenheim player last year at Bayern Munich. Uh, Nico Kovac, the new manager of Bayern Munich, has uh, come out and said that Rudy is is welcome to leave if, if he so desires. Um, I think Leipzig has been involved in, in pursuit of him alongside Schalke, but just earlier today, and by the time you're listening to this, this actually may have well been um, announced officially, but uh, we're recording this here on a Sunday afternoon, and it looks like there's been some reports of an initial agreement between the two clubs, uh, and we're looking forward to potentially him being officially announced uh, tomorrow. It looks for a transfer fee of what's being reported around $16 million, which for me... Great piece of business. Um, We've done a lot to strengthen that midfield in the transfer market so far, but uh, obviously doesn't hurt to have more, especially uh, a player of Sebastian Rudy's quality, somebody that could fit into that number six role, uh, maybe a little bit better than almost anybody we have in the departure of of Max Mm -hmm. Meyer. And um, to me, that would be quite a piece of excellent business, I, I think. And I think it's been kind of universally praised on Twitter.
0: Yeah, people think it's a it's a great deal to get him for what? Well, what did you say it was? Sixteen million euros or something like that? Yeah, that's what's um, being reported at least. Yeah, and they need in needs somebody to like bring some calm in the middle of the field in front of that that back line. I think that was one of the things that was missing on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree to you. You know, we'll get into that in a second with uh, Stuart Serdar and Weston McKinney starting in that midfield, but. Uh, yeah, I definitely think a player of his caliber, somebody to kind of bring a calm, collected presence, who's, who's confident on the ball, kind of, you know, make sure everyone else is kind of, you know, in the right pace and not freaking out a little bit. Um, I think it'd be an excellent pickup, uh, and we'll have to see if that gets announced. Um, it, the interesting thing is that's obviously going to uh, mean that there's going to be quite a few mouths to feed for uh, midfield minutes, that is. And people like Nabil Bentaleb yeah. have already come out and been vocally displeased with their roles. Um, we've we've made a lot of signings, and it's just going to get even more competitive from here on out if that happens. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So uh, moving on from the transfer news, just want to briefly discuss the DFB-Pokal fixture against Schweinfurt. 2-0 uh, win in our, in our first round of the DFB-Pokal. Moving on, we have drawn uh, Cologne as of today, which we will be facing, I believe, either October 30th. Or October 31st, a Halloween match potentially in the DFB Pokal. Mm. Um, pretty typical Schalke in that match, in, in my opinion. I, Adam, I don't know if you caught any of that one, but um, I did. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. But uh, t- to me, it was a Schalke team that looked, for the most part, fairly devoid of, of attacking imagination and ultimately relied on an own goal off of a set piece and then a penalty to score both of those. And if that's not, you know, 2017, 2018 Schalke, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, it was more of the same. Uh, Just set pieces and penalties and kind of a kind of a bruising match in the middle two thirds of the field and not a lot of not a lot of attacking creativity, not a lot, just the the attacking third quality isn't quite there. And it seemed like that carried over to the opening, the season opening match on Saturday as well.
1: Definitely. I guess the, uh, the one thing of note in that one from the American perspective, uh, Weston McKinney full 90 minutes right off the bat to start the season, right?
0: Yeah. I was excited about that. Um, should we, are we jumping into the game now? The, the wolf, the Wolfsburg yeah, game, yeah, or yeah, the yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Why don't Why don't we? Let's go ahead.
0: So, yeah, I guess it seemed ahead. to me. It seemed to me. It seemed to me like Shaka got sort of shocked You know, that's the, <laughs> the kind of game, a uh, kind of game that they they would have won last year or at least escaped with a draw and, you know, everything was sort of the same except Wolfsburg got the, got the goal off a set piece and, um, and then got the late, the late winner. I'd say, wouldn't you say probably Wolfsburg deserved to win when it's all said and done?
1: Overall, definitely. I think it was a disappointing performance, uh, from, from Schalke, uh, we I don't know what we I mean we, we yeah we didn't look good I don't I definitely don't think that's uh, hopefully the quality we're going to be seeing from us the entire time but as you said two two to one victory for Wolfsburg to start the season not the result we're looking for uh, let's get into this thing and break it down starting with the uh, lineups for Wolfsburg and this was played at uh, at, at Wolfsburg this is an away match to start the season for Schalke mm-hmm. uh, Castile's in goal a pretty excellent. Goalkeeper, in my opinion, uh, William on, the, on the right back, Robin Kanaka, Jonathan Brooks, the American, also one of the center backs, uh, Rosili- if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly in, the, at left back, I apologize. Um, a midfield of, uh, Jonathan Vogi, Camacho, and Maximilian Arnold, some very good players there in the midfield. And then, uh, an attacking three of, uh, Breckalo, Veghorst, the new signing from, I believe, the Dutch Eredivisie, and, uh, Stefan. Um, Anything pop out to you from that lineup from Wolfsburg, Adam?
0: Well, you know, obviously, I'm paying attention to Brooks, but but I was just I was really impressed with the way that midfield closed down space. uh, For you know, any any room Schalke had was immediately gone. So those guys, that midfield three, really worked worked hard for Wolfsburg.
1: I would I would agree with you. Absolutely. Um from the Shalka side of things, Ralph Thurman, as always, in goal. Um, a back three of Nastasić, Naldo, and Salif Sane, the new man, uh in a in a back three. Uh Baba Rahman, Weston McKenney, Seward Serdar, and Caliguri in midfield with uh Harit, Mark Oot, and Guido Bergstaller up top. I guess you could loosely call this kind of a either a 3-4-3 or like a 3-4-2-1, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of a central midfield pairing of Weston McKenney and Seward Serdar, which is a very young, very inexperienced um, pairing, both from, once again, like an age perspective, then also from they haven't really played together almost at all because uh, one of those is a, is a very new signing. So I believe Serdar is, I... what, 20 and McKennie's 19? Something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, That's that's about as uh, – this is practically like a youth-side midfield pairing, right?
0: Yeah, but I mean, both really exciting players. But yeah, very very young. And what happened to Sertar? I mean, he, you know, he, when he was on the ball, he did some really nice things. Uh, you know, he, you could see he's a player of great quality. But like, where was he most of the game? I don't. I, like his name didn't even get called.
1: Yeah, no, I think think you're right. I think very early on, um, through maybe like the first half hour of the match, he had a couple of different instances with some remarkable footwork and some very tricky um, escapes from defensive pressure that kind of caught the eye. Um, But to me, it was a lot of kind of flash and really not a whole lot of substance from him. Um, He didn't really do anything. that really helped the team in any way outside of those, you know, those couple flashy moments. So I think people were excited to see that. I know I was following the Twitter conversation and a lot of Shalka fans were like, ah, oh, Stuart Serdar is, you know, such a great player. Like initially. And, you know, really, if you really think about it, I mean, he wasn't, Helping the offense get forward at all, um, he wasn't pushing high enough for me. Um, McKenney as well. I don't think either of them are really um, getting getting involved. And some of that's the the Wolfsburg pressure, which we'll talk about. But um, I, I agree with you. He he ended up being fairly anonymous, especially later in the match until he was ultimately subbed off. The other thing I wanted to say about the lineups, real quick. Um, yeah. So that that front three, we've seen that before from Schalke. But generally speaking, uh, in in the past, a lot of times the the central of those three. Uh, which was Guido Bergstaller in this case, um, would be dropping significantly deeper. Um, and it's usually Franco DeSanto, as Richard always calls, like the false nine. Um, and I thought that the absence of that kind of positioning on the field was really in- interesting because I felt a lot of the times um, it would have been very helpful if one of those strikers was dropping deeper into the midfield to try to be an outlet and get on the ball. Yeah um and i really don't think there was enough enough of that happening so um interesting wrinkle from tedesco there not a formation that we see too often from shalka um so let's get into this thing uh f- i'm going to mostly avoid the first half just because i felt that um
0: just, well let me say let me yeah, say one ahead. thing about the first half i i thought um the first 20 minutes or so were very like right to script for shalka you know they i thought they were the better team for the first 20 minutes or so uh, nothing really from Wolfsburg going forward. Some a couple of errant crosses, and and Schalke did get those you know those moments of transition mm-hmm. where they win the ball high, and then you know Harit is running forward w- with the ball at his feet. Got into that situation a couple times, like a three v two or maybe a three v three, which which looked a little bit dangerous, but just like things weren't calibrated between those you know the attacking players for Schalke. The, they you know the, the pass would be off or you know somebody wouldn't make the run they that the guy with the ball thought he was going to make and, and they just nothing came out came of it because i i think Tedesco probably was watching that thinking this is exactly what i want to see you know a relatively even game where we are you know we're winning the ball high and then springing into attack that happened a couple times but nothing came of those attacks so
1: yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think, or I, er, I think, early on we saw Harit having a couple opportunities. Um, Caligari on some overlapping runs, one of which led to a yet a, a yellow card for for William when he brought Caligari down after a piece of sustained offensive pressure. I think around the fifteenth minute or so, um, and, and that's kind of what you're talking about. Right? Some of those overlapping runs and um, playing those off. Uh, unfortunately, those just didn't really connect quite as well as we needed yeah, to really get to c- any concrete chances out of it. No, the other thing I was just going to say is, uh, so fifth minute, something happened with Weston McKenney right off the bat. Um, he, uh, (laughs) he's, he's taking the ball in the center of the park, takes a bad touch, which leads to, uh, a a giveaway and then he, and then an immediate foul, uh, for him to try to, you know, bring that player down. And, And to me, that was something that was kind of foreshadowing for a lot of this match. I don't know if it was first match nerves or what, but far too many, and some of it's, Wolfsburg, I want to give them the proper amount of credit. Their pressing game, but um, a lot of Schalke players seem really nervous and jittery on the ball. There's some bad touches, some bad decision making, and that ended up being a problem later on. And I think that Weston McKennie uh, example that was just kind of the, the first one of those.
0: Yeah, that was that was a sort of ominous foreshadowing because you know that, that McKennie did receive the ball in a lot of space, and you want him to you know take advantage of that situation. Um, but he didn't like you said, and he gave the ball away, and he immediately fouled f- fouled the Wolfsburg guy who took the ball from him. So yeah, I mean, you feel like you want to like you want to impose yourself on the match, and when you have like a ton of space in the middle of the field, you want to make something happen with it, and that didn't happen there, and probably that was a little bit of a bad sign.
1: Definitely, and uh, yet another example of that twenty eighth minute. Um, yellow card for Salif Sane, the new man. Uh, the ball is passed back to him. He takes a poor touch immediately. Another one, as I mentioned. Um, rather than and then at that moment, rather than, than clear and kick it like you know deep back to Ralph Fairman, um, or, or just punt it or something. He tries to recover it. Ultimately, gives it away, and that's going to lead to uh, kind of a free run into the final third for the Wolfsburg player in question. So he has to drag him down from mm-hmm. behind uh Sane is a player I was very high on coming into this season um I really liked what he did uh last year and then also in the World Cup I was very you know excited for that signing I thought it was one of the best pieces of business we did all all, all summer um what did you make of his performance in this match just to me I was I was thoroughly underwhelmed by him
0: yeah I you know he had the moment you just mentioned he had a couple other giveaways in the first thirty forty minutes it seemed like he was maybe trying to do too much, and uh, and and was and paid for it. My my sense is he 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 found his way into the game with a little more effectiveness as it went on. You know, I mean, he's obviously going to be a huge asset defending, um, and and you saw you saw plenty of that, but uh, on the ball, he's got to be a little cleaner than he was. That that was uh that was a problem. There were two. Two instances I can think of off the top of my head where where there was like a clear opportunity as a result of a Sonic giveaway. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I think I agree. I think he was trying to do too much. Once again, I don't know if it was first match of the season nerves or maybe you know he's trying to make a good impression for his club because he's new. But uh, especially as a member of that of that back three, that kind of three center back pairing, the most important thing is just keep it under control, you know, a simple back or horizontal pass is always better in that situation than you trying to do something fancy with your footwork and, and get out of a tight situation. So just a little bit more composure, I think from a lot of the Shalco players would have greatly uh, benefited us. But once again, the Wolfsburg pressing, I think was a huge part of that. One of them, I mean, one of the, the themes of the first half for me was um, they really did an excellent job man marking in the center of the pitch, which forced a lot of balls um, kind of out wide to either Caliguri or, um, Raman on the left side and then those kind of passes out wide were sort of um, triggers for traps in my opinion but then suddenly you get these double teams out there which would kind of put those wing players in a cul-de-sac and then have to turn around and kind of go right back to one of the center backs and I, I think that made it very difficult for us to both advance the ball into the final third um, and really get anything going and then you, you combine that with a, a real lack of motion um, And a lack of energy, I think, from the front three in making an effort to making themselves available for some to kind of link link some things up, and we really just didn't get almost anything going on the offensive end.
0: Yeah, you know, Rafa Rafa Honigstein, the the writer who writes for ESPN, yeah. some he called uh I think he called the Bundesliga's style of the day attritional and. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that's an apt word for it and definitely Shalka is you know at the vanguard of that where you're just you're just denying everything and yeah Wolfsburg was doing that yesterday too you know there was just no there was just no easy way to play through them and you're right everything was being forced to the wings and Rahman and uh and Kalijeri couldn't really get anything going and I think maybe you know Stambouli comes in for a lot of criticism, I think, among Shaka fans. And so, um, and maybe even Kara did too, somewhat. But Kara less so, I would say. And But those guys are both pretty good passers. Like, good 100%, 100%. at uh, playing the ball through the lines. And I thought that was missing a little bit uh, yesterday. Who knows? I mean, maybe it wouldn't have mattered because Wolfs- Wolfsburg's press was so effective. But... No, but, but definitely I, I think that's an excellent. Lot
1: of- I think that's an excellent point for you. I mean, we talk about somebody like Zane. If you had put Stambouli in that position, which is where he normally played last year, and sort of that rightmost of that of that back three, um, somebody who's better with the ball at his feet, a better passer, has played some time in you know holding midfield roles, would he have done a better job navigating that pressure? I think that's an excellent point from you. Um, and depending on how teams uh, set up against Shaka, maybe that's something we'll see. More often, who knows? Um, uh, We will get to this in a minute, but obviously Nastasic is not going to be available for our next match. You know, you wonder if maybe Zane moves out to the left and Stambouli slots in on the right. Um, Will be interesting to see. Uh, 33rd minute, next thing I want to talk about briefly. uh, This is another example of um, kind of a trap happening on one of the sides. Harit uh, gets the ball on the left-hand side of the pitch surrounded by a couple of players, can't find a way out, makes this kind of ill-advised back pass, which ends up going all the way out for a corner. And then that ensuing corner, John Brooks uh, floats back post and heads in for Wolfsburg's first goal of the match, uh, completely unmarked. What did you see on that one?
0: I mean, it was a clever run from Brooks, you know? I mean, he he definitely sold like he was heading heading right at the goalkeeper and then just kind of ducked out the back door and there he was all by himself. So, I mean, the, the, the marking on that set piece was not good enough, but you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was just standing there open. He definitely did something to get open. That was clever. Um, I would say on like Harit did play a bad pass or a sort of bad pass to Nastasic for the corner, but that was just a good example of the effectiveness of Wolfsburg's press. I mean, they were, they were all over him, mm-hmm. and Shaka couldn't play out of it. It was like I think M- McKenny and uh, Sirdar were involved, and then and then it found its way to to Harit, and he was just like you know uh, facing his own goal with two guys on him. He had to play it back, and there was a little bit of a miscommunication with Mustasich. But yeah, on the set piece, you got to mark better than that if you're Schalke. But you know, credit to Wolfsburg, they they had something from the training ground that obviously worked. Yeah, I was and, about
1: to say that almost actually. I mean, not trying to take away credit from Brooks, but it almost looked rehearsed in the sense that um, a bunch of the Wolves, basically every Wolfsburg player kind of made a sort of diagonal run in the direction of like the front near post, while Brooks peeled off and went the other way back post. And I mean, it, it, Schalke just bit on it, plain and simple. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone yeah. even had eyes on Brooks at that point. So. Uh, and that's something that we usually don't give away a lot of goals on. Schalke very good last season both offensively and defensively on set pieces. Um so that was disappointing to see that that was the way uh we conceded our first goal. Uh other than that uh Gila Vogi yellow card in the 41st minute for a foul on Amin Harit. What else is new? Amin Harit drawing fouls as he does. So Wolfsburg heads into halftime with a 1- nil lead. I mean, I think we pretty much over, uh, covered it already, but just general impression on, on the first half from you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was for a neutral. It was a terrible game to watch. And, um, <laughs> uh, it, I thought, I thought Wolfsburg was the slightly better team. Um, especially after that first 20 minute section. Um, and the goal was probably, probably deserved at that point. But you know, it was very, it was very a very cagey game. A lot of, a lot of pressure in the middle of the field. Not a lot of quality in the attacking third. Really from either side. I I had I, I do agree. think it opened up. I think I do think it opened up a lot in the second half after the you know, with some of the drama that unfolded that I'm sure we will talk about.
1: Absolutely, no, I agree with you. I just I think it's funny because um, for a lot of the American listeners that are trying to figure out where to tune in. Uh this weekend that was a game that I know a lot of people including yourself were were advertising saying hey That's the one you should be watching. We got John Brooks and Weston McKinney and unfortunately anybody who tuned in was not treated to uh, a Very enjoyable aesthetic experience for the for the first 45 minutes
0: Yeah, I had somebody text me another, you know, a pretty knowledgeable American Soccer writer texts me He said Nobody wants to admit it But Shaka is absolute crap to watch And I was like You know Kind of It's kind of been true But You gotta appreciate the finer things You know You gotta appreciate the You gotta appreciate the spirit And the And you know Just like the winning mentality That Tedesco has instilled At least he instilled last year so I don't I totally agree with that but I can understand yeah. the reaction to today's yesterday's game.
1: No, for I, sure. we definitely do not play the most exciting brand of football uh, in the league but as as you say I think that's a big point is the under tedesco that that change in in spirit, a lot of times in the past, watching Schalke over the past, you know, five ten years, we go down. The heads kind of drop. The body language gets iffy. In um, last season, it really just seemed that this team had a never say die attitude. They always believed that they had a chance in any match, and even if they fell behind, they they worked to correct that. Obviously, the most notable example of that being the four four. Uh, Revere Derby against Dortmund, the first edition of that, where we came back from four down to tie that up in stoppage time. But um, a number of instances last season where, yeah. um, in the face of adversity, Schalke grabbing a goal to either equalize or take the lead. Um, and I do think that we saw some of that in the second half. So let's get into absolutely. The, yeah, let's get into that here. Um,
0: Should for, we go straight to the red the red card on Nastasic?
1: Um, I'm going to jump into one thing before that. Forty seventh okay. minute um, play is stopped for what the ref considers to be a handball on Weston McKenney Um, he gets angry, uh, with that decision, picks up the ball, starts dissenting. And as a result of that argument, the ref gives him a yellow. Now on the replay, I think you're, sh- I think you're shown that McKenney is correct. I think the ball hits his torso and not his yeah. arm. So it was a poor decision by the referee not the first one we're going to talk about here but um that's annoying to me from McKenney um just I, I appreciate the passion it seems like he's trying to become a little bit more vocal on the pitch recently um but he needs to kind of keep his head a little bit uh that is not a decision worth getting yellow card over particularly when you're down and you know you're you're playing in a match that's very cagey in the midfield he's not operating with a lot of space as it is you have to imagine that you're going to be involved in some tight challenges um going forward not the smartest move for me what was your what was your opinion on
0: yeah i yeah i agree with you i mean there's a you know he's a he's no stranger to yellow cards that are totally earned so to get one that's like so so, uh, needless like that and put yourself in a position where you could you could get sent off for stuff you do in the run of play all the time anyway it's very very silly Absolutely. he was right though like no, yeah, said, he was he right. yeah he was right yeah he was hand.
1: right and he's not quite the uh the walking red card that jermaine jones was for shalka but uh i def- give him some time give him some time <laughs> <laughs> he's he's definitely not shy of tackles though we've seen that from him so uh yeah i agree with you i mean he could, he could easily pick one up for just you know uh, a good faith effort as opposed to just arguing with the ref which is Pretty pretty silly. So, um, 57th minute, uh, there is, from my opinion, one of the best pieces of play Schalke had up to that point. Um, Caligari is on the break down the right-hand side. He plays this cross-field ball all the way to Bergstaller, who picks it up in the box. He lays it back for Mark Oot, who's kind of running horizontally, trying to make himself available. Uh, Oot gets the first touch on that ball and is kind of taken down. No penalty is given. What was your opinion on that no call?
0: Oh man, I feel like it could go either way, but I I, I understand the frustration with it not being called. But I'm, you know, I th- I think the um some of the other calls. Yeah, I don't know. What's your you you feel like it was like a stone cold pen? Oh
1: no no no, I actually agree with you. I'd love to uh, be able to argue and get some controversy going on this podcast. But uh, to me, I think that was a 50 50 call maybe 60 40 in favor of Wolfsburg uh he does get a foot to it and gets there first but that first touch he's not going to be able to recover that ball so he's not getting it like he's not going to be able to get that first touch and then go pick it up in the box that's going to go to a Wolfsburg player and uh the contact for me is it's there but it's fairly minimal and it did look like it was looking for it so um I think another day maybe that, that that gets called but I wasn't particularly complaining about it at the time. Although I will say um, it was just kind of one more strike against the, uh, the head official in this match who over the course of the match ended up racking up quite a few uh, que- yeah. questionable decisions. Um,
0: His cumulative score was pretty low, I guess you could say
1: definitely 58th minute. uh Mbolo is subbed on for Amin Harit personally, I would have subbed off somebody like Bergstaller who I thought was just completely off the pace this entire match. I don't think you almost ever heard his name called, um Harit. He
0: had he had trouble getting involved. That's yeah. that's
1: for sure. I understand wanting to manage Harit's minutes. He gets a lot of tackles, so he's subject to a lot of, you know, physical abuse and he's um, you know, a very lively player, but you know at that point given that Schalke really hadn't had much offensive spark, I thought that that was questionable to bring off, you know, one of the players who I think is usually the primary provider of that. I mean, what was your opinion?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, who knows what, what all is going into that decision. And I, and you know, Mbolo below did bring a spark. So I guess you're, you're thinking as he should be, that spark should have been brought on for Bergstahler instead of Harit. I'll, yeah. I'll give Tedesco the benefit of the doubt for, <laughs> for the time being. He, he um, might,
1: he might know a little bit more about football than me. I mean, I <laughs> think that's, I think that's fair to say. Um, so, this match descends into chaos. We've been hinting at it for the last few minutes here, uh, but it really all goes crazy in the 64th minute roundabout. Um, there is a a ball that is, I think it's off of a throw-in potentially. Um, it's a 50-50 ball, and the is going in for it, as is Horse. the... Wolfsburg striker, this ball kind of bounces off the ground and is sort of a waist-high ball, um, which Nastasic goes in and wins with uh, a high boot. Yes, crucial
0: piece of information. um,
1: Definitely. Uh, But then as he's kind of following through after he's won that ball, uh, he ends up clipping Veghorst's leg um, and takes him out. Now, the referee calls this a yellow card initially on Nastasic, which... You know, he won the ball, but I don't think anyone's really freaking out about that too much. But just, you know, 30 seconds later, suddenly VAR gets involved. The uh, <laughs> the ominous VAR call. Referee stops play to go take a look at this replay. And when, that, when that's happening initially, I'm personally looking at like, oh, are they going to maybe take away this yellow card? Um, because I thought, you know, it was clearly, it, it was, you know, maybe a yellow card, but maybe not. Um, you start yeah. listening to the commentary and you realize, I don't know what the VAR rules are. So maybe that was stupid of me to think that was a possibility, but you start listening to the commentary and you realize they're actually looking to see if this is going to be a red card rather than a yellow. And the ref returns to the play. Uh, and that's what he decides to do. He changes this to a straight red for Natina Stasic who gets sent off. Adam, what is going on with this play?
0: Oh, extremely harsh red card. I mean, he does He won the ball you know, he just like banged it out, won it a hundred percent. And then, you know, the bottom of his foot does hit, uh, was it Weghorst, Weghorst? Yeah, yeah, it's Weghorst? Yeah. His leg. Um, you know, I could see maybe a yellow, like you said, but to go over there and look at the replay and then call it a red, it's just crazy. The plus side is it did improve the soccer game quite a bit in my opinion, with Nistat's job. I mean, it was not it was no good for Schalke, obviously, but all of a sudden it's like uh, it's an up-and-down, back-and-forth contest, totally open game. Yeah, well,
1: in a game that clogged in the midfield, maybe you take a playoff, suddenly to open some space. But yeah, I mean, just to, just to round this Nistat's decision out. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, as I said, yellow card, probably fair, but this is a 50-50 ball, and the ball is waist-high. The only possible way either player can win the ball is to raise your leg to about the waist level, which both players do. The only reason the even catches Veghorst is because Veghorst is late and the gets there first. So, I mean, I don't know. Exactly. I agree. I don't know why the video assistant referee even thinks that's a red card and calls to the ref to go take a look. But then, even more so, I don't know how the ref agrees with him. I think that is a bad, bad decision for both parties there very harsh. Um so anyway, obviously that's a foul in the open play so there's going to be a free kick immediately after that. On the ensuing free kick, uh there's a loose ball. Bergstaller and Veghorst who was just involved in the last one are involved in a little bit of a scrum. Um mm-hmm. Bergstaller maybe a little bit emotional from the red card that was just given to Nastasic, kind of gives Veghorst a little bit of a shove who falls to the ground. Veghorst uh loses his shit for lack of a better term uh gets up and retaliates and just kind of lunges his full body into Bergstaller who gets knocked over Veghorst is shown a red Bergstaller a yellow but wait VAR calls down to the referee yet again who goes over to take another look and wouldn't you know it reverses his decision for the second time in a matter of minutes takes away the yellow uh, the red card and gives Veghorst a uh, yellow, I, I'm at I'm at a loss for words, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the right decision in that instance. You know, you look at that, what happened there. I mean, you could argue, Veikoris uh, headbutted Bergstaller, you know, but it would be kind of a flimsy argument because he like he just kind of does like a derpy, like you said, full body lunge in the general direction of Bergstaller and. And, you know, his shoulder kind of knocks Bergstahler down. Bergstahler obviously uh, plays it up, goes down in a heap, just like Veghorst did when Bergstahler pushed him. But, you know, all, all in all, I think that's probably a fair result for them both to get a yellow there. And do you think it should have been a red on Weghorst? Uh
1: So what I will say is I agree with you that, you know, the initial call on that play, should have been a yellow for Veghorst. What I will say is it is not at all unusual for a referee to punish the retaliation more harshly than the initial play. I've seen that so many times over the years, watching matches where somebody sticks out a leg, you know, somebody gives a shove, whatever that player gets yellow. The player that comes up and then takes an even more violent action is usually judged more harshly. Um, I I, I mean, I've seen players like Veghorst get reds in that situation plenty of times. I, it would have been slightly harsh, but not unusual. And so, I yeah, guess just I for me, the general Schalke narrative of having two VAR decisions reversed against, you know, in favor of Wolfsburg in the matter of minutes—it was just absolutely infuriating. And it just calls into question further whether or not this VAR thing is <laughs> having a good influence on the game or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I hear, I hear you, and I, I think they. The German version of VAR has not been as successful as, for instance, the World Cup one, which I thought was pretty good by and large. Um, but you know, uh, a lot happened as a result of that. Can we? Can we? Uh, you ready to to get into that? Like what? How that affected the game? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Don't take it away. Go for it. What are your comments on that?
0: Well, well, so so Tedesco had to reshuffle the back line quite a bit. I think if I see things saw things correctly, McKennie started playing right back, Correct. and Caligiuri moved up to midfield, and then uh, and then you had Sane, uh, Naldo, and Rahman across the back, along with McKennie, and it was like it was up and down the field stuff for a while there, wouldn't you say? I mean, from basically that the Nastasic red all the way to the end of the game, there were. Chances and space, a lot of space for people to run into. Definitely. It was exciting I, stuff.
1: I thought Mbolo affected the game positively. Once the match opened yep. up, he was getting in kind of off that left shoulder, running in behind at times. Um, the, I, I was annoyed to some extent that McKinney ended up getting put back into defense because I think that's something that people talk about constantly on Twitter is, oh yeah, McKinney is this like defensive player, like a center back or something, which. This is, to my knowledge, th- this was only the second time he's ever done that, and it only happens in the middle of a match as a result of a red card. This is not something that I think is going to be a consistent thing no. for him in his career. Yeah, I think he's a midfield player through and
0: through. People um, make way too much of that. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you.
1: No, yeah, thank, I mean, thank you for agreeing with me on that. Uh, Richard texts to BB, and he's like, "Beginning defense," and I'm like, "Dude, shut up!" Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, wide open game from that point on. Um, a substitution takes place in the 83rd minute. Nabil Benteleb comes on, uh, for Suet Serdar. Now, when I appeared on your scuff podcast recently, breaking down, um, the Americans at, at Shalke and sort of the midfield situation, what I had said to you is that I, I did believe that Weston McKenney was probably going to be one of the starters out of the gate and that the person playing alongside him, might be Nabil Bentaleb as opposed to one of these new signings. Now, that was the case in the DFB-Pokal match. It was not the case initially in this one as Seward Serdar started in front of him. But Bentaleb came on and pretty immediately made a case for why he might need to be included on a more regular basis. Uh, Within seconds of his appearance, he uh, put some pressure on one of the Wolfsburg players, which results in in him stealing the ball, gets his head up, immediately picks out a great pass, a through ball to Mark Oot, Who crosses to Mbolo? uh, Attempts kind of a one-time finish, which forces a phenomenal save by Castiles. What did you see on that one?
0: Yeah, I saw just exactly what you described. It was um, a quick, uh, accurate pass from Bentaleb to Ute. Ute, you know, kind of dribbled across. You know, came in on his left foot, dribbled across field, and then played like a like a tidy little diagonal ball that I think the defender got a foot on, but not much. And then um, Mbolo hit it one time, hit it hard, on frame and a good save. I will say I think I think the lineup reshuffled a little bit uh, again when Bentaleb came on because I think Calaghery went back to right back and McKenney came to the midfield. I don't know why that would be, but it does seem like that's what happened. Anyway, that resulted in a corner kick, right? That that Mbolo Yeah. That strike. Is,
1: yeah, that is correct. I mean real quickly though. I mean so and maybe I'm giving Betts a little bit too much credit just because he came into a match that was much more open with a little bit less pressure on, you know, the shock players that were on the ball than the players were experienced earlier in the first half. But didn't he to you immediately look more composed and just aware of what was going on around him?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is true, though, that he came into a game that was different than what it had been for, you know, three fourths of the game up to that point. But you know what he did. What he did in that in that play we just described was he put a he made a very fast decision and he put the pass right on Ute's feet and in stride. And that was had been missing for most of the game, I think, for Schalke. You know, just that little bit of precision that sort of builds up harmony and then results in you know flowing soccer and real scoring chances. So in that sense I, I think he did offer something different there was like a little bit of at least in that moment that we hadn't seen enough of from Tedesco's men up to that point.
1: So as you uh, as you alluded to the ensuing corner from that Castile save uh, cross comes in from Daniel Caliguri it, it falls to uh, Naldo kind of back post who I think either, kind of gets a shot off or gets bounced um kind of into open play. He couldn't quite deal
0: with it, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Embolo comes flying in to try to knock it in and John Brooks goes for a high kick and really just kind of <laughs> <laughs> kung fu's Embolo to the ground. Um a penalty is given. You agree with that decision, I'm assuming?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it could have been a red card maybe, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't it
1: wasn't the uh the most gentle challenge I think we've seen.
0: I mean, he almost decapitated him and <laughs> uh, I mean, definitely a yellow, which is what he got. And, you know, arguably a red Um I thought the, I thought the set piece was a little reminiscent of, uh, the Brooks goal in that you had a large bald center back, uh, basically free on the back post, drifting back post. That's just it was, that, it was uh, just
1: a mere image of it from the other side. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's a good call. Yeah. Um, so, up to the penalty spot steps, the recently brought on Nabil Bentaleb, or perhaps we should say Nabil Pentaleb, Um, Ooh. because yeah, there it is, right? Um, cha-ching, yeah, that, that's why you tune in for, for high-quality content like that. <laughs> those puns, that's that's why you're all here <laughs> anyway. Um, to be fair though, Nabil Benteleb, I don't think he has missed a penalty attempt for Shalka since arriving at the club. He seems to always put these things in, he converted one in the DFB Pokal match last week against Frankfurt as we mentioned and uh no different here decisive bottom corner wouldn't you say
0: yeah sent the keeper the wrong way bada bang thank you very much 1-1 yeah Bentelev's good at penalties no doubt about it
1: and and there we go with that that spirit that we I mean obviously a little janky of a play to kind of get that opportunity but you know Shaka was, Gale, yeah but
0: it was she, they had they had just created a, a really good goal cha- goal scoring chance with Mbolo, and then the ensuing uh, corner kick was just sort of like a you know continuation of that. Um, seemed like the goal was was hard earned, and it was going to be just like last year. Uh, yeah. Shock Sch- is going to escape with a draw in a game that they probably were outplayed in.
1: And that's and that's personally what what I love to see. This is a match where I think all of them would know that they had not played their best football. They had a number of decisions go against them and that's the kind of game where a lot of teams i think with maybe lesser constitutions would um you know just say hey this isn't our day but the match opened up they kept they kept pushing forward and and they they nabbed that equalizer and that's that's what we see from them so consistently which is great um uh, unfortunately six minutes of stoppage time ultimately added on as a result of the shenanigans that took place earlier in the match (laughs) so much stoppage uh, yeah you know I think by this point everyone was just completely gassed because there's less people on the pitch to you know to cover to cover that that grass and and uh, it had been a wide open end to end situation. Schalke had a couple opportunities I think later to even to even win the match um, and yeah. then ultimately right kind of at the death, uh, Wolfsburg has the ball in and around the final third. A great ball is played in behind. Uh, The back line to, I believe, Gerhardt, who has a kind of a one-on-one with Fairman. Fairman makes a great save, comes out, is big, deflects it, but ultimately uh, doesn't deflect it to the side, kind of deflects it right back out centrally, and it falls to uh, Ginschek, I believe, who plays it between his legs before Fairman can get down, and uh, Wolfsburg with the walk-off 2-1.
0: Yeah, I mean, a couple things I want to mention from stoppage time. Before, before I talk about the goal, uh, you did, you did mention that there were some chances for Shaka and one of those was for torture. Teut- was it toichert Is that how you say his name? Uh, yeah. Toi-
1: yeah. Toykert, I think.
0: toichert He, um, you know, he got, he got flicked into the channel by McKinney and then, um, sort of had to like be his guy one-on-one and got a pretty good shot off from a, from a tight angle. I, I mentioned that because I, I don't know if I saw him do anything else in the game. Um, He's another one we haven't talked about, and he wasn't talked about much in the game. And I don't know, I don't know where he was or like what the problem was. But even maybe even more than Bergstaller, you're
1: talking about Twickert. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I believe he was subbed on late. Let me check when that even was. Um, mm,
0: I thought he was
1: 73rd minute. I want to say is when he came out uh, for Guido Bergstaller. So it was it was a Harit Bergstaller, Mark Oop front three for most of that one berksteller and harit were ultimately subbed off um and and twaker kind of played the last 20 minutes or so
0: Um, okay scratch that yeah he he um so he in his 20 minutes he he made a name for himself so that's a little bit different than what i was thinking i was thinking he started which is obviously wrong
1: yeah no no worries Um, but yeah i i agree i think he's um he hasn't he hasn't really made quite the impact we've been hoping he would yet. But I think he also I mean it's not like he's getting a lot of starting opportunities, right? He's making these right. these late game cameos where he has maybe five ten minutes. Um, I mean he had he had definitely had more time today than he normally does, and it's really hard for a striker to come on and, and kind of make a name for yourself in those situations. Um, so my mistake,
0: Cedric, my mistake. <laughs> um, so on the goal though, on the goal though, Baba Baba Rahman did lose his man pretty badly didn't you think? I mean, that was, it was a nice ball. And I, maybe he was hoping that the guy was, that Gerhardt was off sides. He, he was
1: he was ball watching once that ball came through. You're talking about the rebound, right?
0: Well, both the original ball and the rebound, he, Rahman was a little slow to react because it was his man who, Gerhardt was his man who came came in behind and took that touch and then had his shot saved by Farman. And then the rebound uh came to, came to Ginchik, yeah. and Rachman was again, slow to react. Yeah. And you know, you can understand he's, he's at the 95th minute of a game that he's been yeah, running first, hard. First match of the game.
1: season, probably don't have quite the conditioning you'd hope. So you don't have mid season form yet, but no, I agree with you. Um, to me, I mean, if we're more... just
0: looking for, if we're just looking for like, uh, explanations and like what happened on that goal, I mean, yeah. Rahman Rachman is largely at fault.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I saw some people criticizing Fairman on that play because the ball went between his legs to me, that's super harsh. He made the first save and tried to get down for the second. um Meanwhile, his players yeah. weren't weren't running in and trying to you know as we said, they were ball watching. so um you know uh, unfortunate, if we had hold on held on one more minute, we'd have uh, an opening day point that we would have snatched from pretty uh you know uh a lot of adversity in this one, but unfortunately, Wolfsburg steals it late and we uh walk away from our first match zero. Points. Overall impression from you of how Schalke played in this one?
0: I think they got a. F- they you know Tedesco has to figure out that attacking sort of trio and how they're gonna how they're gonna work together with the midfield. I think the midfield questions will be asked to the midfield too. McKenny was okay. Sirdar was, as we mentioned, largely um, absent. It seemed like or anonymous. I guess is the better word. So, I I mean, there's stuff to work out, but I just, I think a lot of Shaka fans and me as somebody who watches them regularly, I just want to see them, you know, string passes together in the attacking half and play some, some beautiful soccer, play some beautiful football. And we didn't get to see that again.
1: That's all I, I mean, you as a listener of the podcast personally, that's all I talked about last year. It's all I talked about in the off season is we have to find a way to create chances from open play to string some passes together and and create some more organic chances than just these set pieces. We can't rely on this to win us matches. And I you know, I hate being a broken record, but um that was the case in the D F B Pokal match and it kinda proved to be the case again today. Um the interesting thing as you talk about, you know, with Tedesco having to figure out that front three, he made a comment before the match where he was saying, Yeah, you know, we have a lot of competition up there now. And uh, every time one of those players comes on, they know that they're going to have to put in a good performance to fight for their spot. Otherwise, there's going to be somebody off the bench who's going to come in and replace them. Did you think any of the front three really did anything to make their case?
0: Um. No, I thought Mbolo was probably the brightest spot. And, he, you know, he came in off the bench. Yeah. Um, but you know how much of that is a result of the of the midfield not being that good too. Like so, like Bergstaller didn't really get much service. I don't know. You know, that's something something smarter brains than mine can understand that. But yeah. you know, I don't think anybody I don't think anybody who was out there who was out there uh, showed themselves to be like an unre- an irreplaceable attacker for sure. sure. I imagine we'll see some some shake up before next weekend.
1: the uh, The last interesting comment I wanted to discuss was uh, Weston McKennie in a post game interview. His reaction to that match was kind of curious to me. Basically, what he said was, uh, and once again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing all of these, but uh, you know, winning is important, but we're more concerned with kind of improving and playing our game, and much more so than last season. We're really trying to kind of force our system on on the match and not adjust what we're doing to the opponent we're playing uh Hmm. and to me that was just a really curious statement because i felt that that was one of the strengths of this team last season was tweaking things altering things bringing in different players showing teams different looks and i thought tedesco did an excellent job setting us up for a lot of these matches particularly against bigger clubs like you know like Bayern. even though we didn't end up walking away with any of those um, wins again in those matches. But uh, I mean, if this, if this was the system that they're trying to implement today, I mean, yikes. Cause it certainly didn't look like something we want to be seeing for the rest of the season. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that makes me think of the, you know, so back to the forwards, it does seem like job one in the Tedesco system for those, for that front three is uh, defensive effort. Right. Yeah. You know, like, like running after the ball which is um, why we saw DeSanto the Santos as much
1: as we did last year right
0: right and and then you know attacking quality is like not the it's it's got to be important I'm sure but it's not the first priority so Burkstaller, you know you, you got to love Burkstall cuz he gives everything when he's out there and um if that's the system I'm with you if that's the system where it's just like a scramble all the time you got to have you got to have moments where you know individual class shows through and that individual class came from Benteleb today or yesterday on that on that one play that led to the corner kick for the for the equalizer so i don't know yeah i don't know well, we
1: will hope that we can improve things in our home opener next week against Hertha Berlin Schalke fans what did you make of the match send us your thoughts at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. All right, Adam, thank you so much uh for joining me today, helping me out in the uh with the co-host duties. It's 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 an interesting experience me sitting on in the other seat here. Uh I'm not used to uh Running this or hosting it, I should say. So, I appreciate you not, uh, not making me do this alone. Um, yeah, Where no can problem. our listeners find you on Twitter? And uh, once again, just an opportunity to plug anything that you're doing there.
0: Oh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at @zlebmada which is my name backwards: Z L E B M A D A. And uh, check out the Scuff Podcast. We're on iTunes and all the other on the, all the other platforms. So check it out.
1: Yeah, I, I completely second that. Adam is a is a great follow and uh once again, I, I know that we have listeners that are more than just Americans, but for those of you who do follow uh the US men's national team, uh to me that podcast is, is an essential listen. No one goes into the, the player pool uh with the kind of depth that uh you guys do on the Scuff podcast. Uh I mean just two three hour podcasts on 16 year olds all across. I mean it's just mind I mean the <laughs> mind weird detail, Yeah. Yeah. And, and the amount it's of work that you guys yeah that you guys do on you, that it's it's incredible.
0: I should mention if you're not a fan of the US national team you should definitely not listen to it because <laughs> it'll it'll be awful. So
1: we appreciate the work you do there. Uh I am Jack Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter feel free to connect with me there. Um, until the next pod comes Stay ready. Cheers.